Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. This weekend was a busy one for our family. We picked pumpkins and apples like we do every year with our cousins, and we spent a lot of time catching up over apple cider. As the kids were playing in the other room, we overheard my five-year-old tell my three-year-old, you get what you get and you don't get upset. It's something we tell him all the time, but we honestly didn't think he was listening. I was so surprised when I heard him repeat it. We hear the age-old analogy, kids are like sponges all the time, and we might roll our eyes at the cliche, but it's true. Whatever you pour into your children, they will retain and regurgitate, good or bad. Raising children of any age is a true formation, not just for our children, but for us as the adults in their lives. We have a duty to give them the best possible. And as Catholics, the best thing we can give them is a strong relationship with God. How? By setting the example by pouring our faith and our excitement for God into their sponge-like hearts. And the best part is, we don't have to do it alone. I'm excited to introduce you to Zach Haney, our new director for Youth and Young Adult Ministries at the Diocese, to chat about the challenges our youth and young adult population faces and the community we're striving to create for them and for those who serve them. So Zach, thanks so much for joining me on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm really excited to have you here and welcome to the Diocese. Oh, I'm very excited to be here, both as part of the diocese and on this podcast. I, I really love podcasts. So, you know, to be on a Catholic diocesan podcast, it's it's like a dream come true. Oh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. So I am originally from the diocese. Um, I grew up in St. Joseph's in Danville. Um, so I've been Catholic my entire life, raised once again in the confines of the diocese. I, I then went off to Scranton for a while. So I went to college. I went to a Catholic college in Scranton, Marywood University. Um, and I went there and then I worked kind of up in in that area. So like college and working combined, I was up there for maybe like 10 years or so. And I actually worked at Marywood um, for a while before I ended up in this job. I'm an athlete, so I really I'm like really into sports. So I, uh, you know, was a mostly a swimmer through all like my entire athletic career. So all the way through college, uh, I also played tennis. Um, I was not as good at that <laughs> as I was at <laughs> swimming, but I still did it. Uh, I also golf. I play pickleball. I play. Um, I, I run. I work out. So like I'm I'm very I'm a very physical, active person. You know, I try to be the most faithful guy that I can. I you always feel bad saying it's like oh yeah I'm like. I'm a really faithful guy because he's like, wow, that sounds conceited. And that right? sounds it sounds like, like boastful, like you don't want to brag about it. Yeah. But it's if it's true, it's true. You I know? mean, it's it's definitely part of my life. And um, I was very I mean, I'll talk about this a little more later. I know that's part one of the questions coming up. But like, uh, you know, ministry has has been or um, in some form of the other youth ministry, campus ministry, like that type of stuff has been really close to my heart, really big forming experience for me. 
I'm the middle child of, of, of three, in the, as I said, in that very um, beautiful Catholic family. My mother teaches RCIA. My dad is a, just a wonderful man in the vein of St. Joseph. He is a, is a worker, uh, a silent worker, but a very devout and holy man. Yeah, so I just moved down to Harrisburg for this job, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm kind of getting used to being a Harrisburgian, a Harrisburg. What, what would you call yourselves here? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, um, Harrisburgian sounds good to me. Let's, let's own that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm adapting to life. I'm figuring out all the different things that I need to know, like East Shore, West Shore, like... Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, I that's know. I'm I'm finding out more and more. <laughs> what shore are you from? It's like what? <laughs> so, for those who who want to know, I'm on the east shore. So, I guess I'm supposed to have pride about that. <laughs> I love it. So, you talked about being involved in a lot of youth ministry. Is that kind of what led you to this career path? Well, that's an interesting story. So I guess I'll go into it here. So I mean, first background, like youth ministry, campus ministry as as part of my formation was really important to me. Um, mostly campus ministry. I was part of youth ministry uh, when I was um, in high school. Uh, I probably didn't take it as seriously as I should have. <laughs> I didn't go to as many things as I should have. Like, you know, athletics was king at that point for me. And so if it was like, oh, there's a conflict, I'm not going. I kind of regret that a little bit now. But it uh, when I got to campus ministry. So when I got to college, uh, I was a faithful, faithful individual, all the way up through high school into college. Like I was, you know, my my parents and the people around me did a really good job of instilling faith in me and getting me in a mindset of like, I don't care what the rest of the world's doing. This is what I believe. This is what I want to do. This is part of who I am. But you know, it felt lonely at times. You know, this idea is a lot of the world. I went to public high school and. You know, I wasn't like a super open person. So and I always just assumed that, you know, like religion was taboo. So you just not like mention it. It's like I'm doing me and I know I what I believe, but I'm still not going to bring it up. And um, so it felt kind of lonely at times. Not that I didn't. I mean, I had a lot of awesome, really close friends that just, you know, never that never came up. Um, but when I got to campus ministry, so I went to Marywood University, I found just an amazing Christian group of people that just really transformed the way I saw faith. It became less about like what I knew and then like all the things I was doing, like the prayer and like going to mass and stuff. And it's just really about living my faith and embracing my faith and having relationship via my faith. And um, so there there was a lot of things involved in that campus ministry. The biggest one among them was we had a, a Christian living community. So at our college, we had living communities. So like you could live in close proximity to each other as long, like you got priority in housing, like as long as you had some sort of structure, unifying structure to you, like you had like a theme or whatever, and you had to like do certain things. So we, our theme was just being Christian. And um, you had to like, you had to go to a service on Sunday. You had to be like a regular attendance of like uh, a service of some, a Christian service of some kind. Um, so it was Catholic and non-Catholic. Um, and you had we had retreats every semester and things like that. Uh, but just living in that community was just so helpful. And it had nothing to do with like, I learned something really awesome about faith, like from a theological standpoint, or like it didn't have to do with all of like, you know, the like the worship that we did, even though that was part of it. But like this idea is I finally found a group of people that I felt so comfortable in, like, like with, like that they all were pursuing faith like I was, that they all had that awkwardness with the rest of the world like I did. Like, it, it, I don't, I, I don't like necessarily using the word safe space, but like, it felt like fertile ground on which to grow. Like having those people surrounding me just meant way more than anything. And having that support system encouraged all of us, not just me, but all of us to participate in 
more stuff it's like oh are you doing this are you doing this and it's like so you know obviously there's power in numbers so you know all of us are super involved in campus ministry we were involved in youth ministry in many ways like in the via that um you know we'd be like you know help go preaching to eighth graders and things like that for like confirmations and stuff and uh we do a lot of volunteer work we were doing like alternative break trips um helping out the needy we were doing bible studies men's groups i mean there was a women's group i wasn't going to that because of <laughs> obvious reasons but uh like that was um so it was just it was such a strong community and i like valued that so much um and that was very inspiring to me but then when i stepped out of college that kind of fell away a little bit um you know this is where young adult ministry kind of comes into like what how it's close to my heart so like campus ministry are, are close to my heart in a way that they were formative and then young adult ministry is kind of close to my heart in the fact that i am still a young adult first of all um, so I'm part of that group. I understand where the young adults are in life and like how they operate and what they're looking for. But as, when I stepped out of campus ministry, and there was part of it, maybe I didn't search hard enough. But the idea is it wasn't readily apparent that there was something that I could step into straight out of campus ministry that would give me that same support system. I still had all my friends, of course, but it was less like applicable way for me to get involved to stay involved to stay connected to the vine so to speak now i i stayed i was still faithful like the entire time like i just thought like oh i fell away from the church because there was no young adult ministry but it felt like my faith kind of took a step backwards because of that of that gap um now there were there was stuff out there i'm finding out now it's just i i it wasn't readily apparent enough for me to, to to discover it so and I know that can be that way in a lot of areas when it comes to young adult ministry. It's it's definitely a new thing. It's definitely something you don't have that cornerstone of like uh, the high school or the college or something. It's just kind of this. I mean, you have the parish, of course, but like it, it's more of a free form thing. And so it's it's and young adult demographic is changing. You know, everyone used to be married like so much earlier. And now you have a lot of single people or a mix of single people, married people with all different life circumstances. So it's it's definitely an evol- a new and evolving group. But anyway, like that lack of young adult ministry kind of inspired me to want to change that. But so that, okay, so that's one part. I know I, I like to talk. So no, that's quite all right. Listeners, forgive me. <laughs> I'm talking your ear off. So the specific way that I got into this job. Um, so I've worked with youth and young adults my entire professional life in some capacity. I talked about how I was involved in ministry in, in certain ways. Um, but then even outside of that, my uh, professional jobs that I was part of when I was like manager of things, like I was usually in charge of younger people, um, mostly because it also like coincided with the fact that I've been in athletics. You know, I, I continued into the coaching sphere. I, I pursued that as a career for a long time. I coached kids ranging from eight years old, actually younger than that, like six years old, all the way up to like 22. So like I've coached from, you know, first grade to college level. I've done all that. I I have most of the people I've coached, obviously, are youth and young adults. But even the people I manage, like assistants and things, a lot of them were um, young adults. Um, You know, I've so I've I've interacted with teenagers, essentially, my entire or or college students, most of my most of my life. So I've kind of gotten to know them. I've gotten to be able to see how they work. And, you know, man culture is interesting these days, <laughs> especially working in a high school. That was definitely feel like an education, like every single day. It's like, oh, that's the way things work now. That's what people are saying. Like, man, I feel so out of the loop and I'm only in my 20s. And but and I was serving them through what I knew was swimming. Like I was I was good at like swimming. So that's how I felt like I, I could serve them best. But 
there got to a point I was coaching in college. That was like my most recent job. I had been four years coaching at my alma mater. And that's a whole nother story of how I ended up there. But I'll save that for a different time. But I was coaching at my alma mater. I was the head coach at a very young age. I was coaching four years. And I did. I loved I loved being able to mentor the, the kids or well, the young adults. They weren't kids anymore by the time they're in college. But uh, I loved being able to mentor them. I loved being able to help them. Um, but I always felt like there was something lacking. Like there was something that was not being fulfilled. There was something I couldn't do. And I kind of knew part of that was that like a sport was not going to be the be all end all, like even like helping them from a professional perspective or whatever. That's not, that wasn't the be all end all. Like that's not the best thing I could give them. That's not the best thing I could give to their life or to their soul. And we, I was at a Catholic school, of course, but like I, there was still that hesitancy when it came to talking about, especially in athletics of like putting faith like way at the front so i mean i did i mean like we prayed before like meets and things like that but like i always felt there was like a limiter of some kind that i couldn't i couldn't fully dive into that because of the demographic of the kids i was i was um coaching and um you know just just the just the way culture is now you just always there's that hesitancy so um i wanted to not be in that career anymore um i knew it just wasn't what god wanted me to do and what i ended up to i ended up taking too much control of my own destiny i like almost seized it like with a chokehold because i'm like you know i'm a pretty smart guy like i want to help people i'm good at writing i'm good at talking as hopefully everyone is listening understands or at least that i like to talk uh, so I'm like, Hey, I, sh- you know, maybe I'll try being a lawyer. Like that's, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to try being a lawyer. So I, I took the LSAT. Like I, I did all the applications. I like sent them all out. I got responses, got solid, like, you know, scholarships and things. And so, but then right around this time, like I started and I, I quit my job. I was like, I'm going to law school. Like I'm, I'm done. Here's my letter of resignation. I'm leaving. But all, all of a sudden, I started dealing with a, a lot, a lot of anxiety, like a lot of like something was not sitting right. Something was definitely wrong, like something. And I necessarily couldn't put up my finger on it at the time. But that led me to really sit down, stop, contemplate, discern, pray, like, like what, what, what is wrong? And, you know, the short the short version is that I ended up that law school was not going to be what was for me. Like I, I, I did a lot of research more into it. I like do- dove deeper in. I, um, you know, as I said, I prayed to talk to God about it and just like kind of analyze my behavior and reaction towards the idea. And I just figured out that it was not what God was calling me to do, um, that I was trying to force something that really was not what I was supposed to do. So I ended up not going. Um, I took a step back. And so I was like, well, now I'm at square zero. Like, well, what do I do now? I have no job. I have I the one thing I had, like I decided to give up on, but it was better to do nothing than to do something God didn't want me to do. So now I'm like, well, now what do I do, God? Like, what do I do? And so through kind of some family connections, they were like, wow, well, they're looking for someone in youth and young adult ministry at the diocese. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I mean, I like working with youth and young adults. Um, you know, that was the part that I loved about coaching. That was the part that I really I liked. And I, I, I like was into my faith. And I'm like, this could this could be what I'm I'm looking for. But I'm like, I'm not going to jump into anything too quick. I'm going to give it a week or two. I'm going to pray about it, going to discern if it's still there. I'll go for it. 
And so I sat back, I prayed about it. I was like, you know what? I really like this idea. I like had a lot of like good feeling towards it. I, you know, my brain started working like in terms of like, you know, what would I do? Like, you know, and like all the ideas started churning and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I actually, I mean, I, I really enjoyed my interview for anybody who's listening, who was on the interview board. Like I really enjoyed the interview. It wasn't like I actually right? had a, a fun process. time. Yeah. yeah. Like the way they went about it, like I had fun, which also was a good indicator to me. I walked away being like, you know what? Even if I don't get it, like I had a good time with that. Like I, I feel really good about that. And maybe that'll be some um, in, like direction for my life. And then to my surprise, they were like, you know what? We really like you. Let's let's put you on like we want we want you for this job. And so um, I was like, well, obviously, God wants me to do this for a reason. And so now I'm doing my I'm sitting here doing my best to, uh, you know, just be open to how the Holy Spirit wants me to to guide this ministry or, or he guiding me to guide this ministry. So but I'm really excited. Like, I'm really excited to be in this position um, to be able to to give the best thing to youth, young adults and to youth and young adult ministers, which is just community and 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 God. Like, you know, like I can't get any higher than this is <laughs> working with youth and young adults like this is the best I can give you. Like there is nothing better that I can give it to you. So if like, yeah, that's and that's and that's a comforting feeling like every day at work. It's like I'm literally giving people the best thing that I could give them or I'm trying at least. That's amazing. I I love how your story like really just kind of comes full circle of like you've been working with youth and young adults. You are a young adult like you, mm-hmm. you you're living it and you're experiencing a lot of the things that people nowadays are coming up through when I was going through my 20s um i was not sure that the job that i was in was the one i was supposed to be in and that was around the time that they coined the term um quarter life crisis mm, and that's exactly yes. what i felt like i was in but i didn't have anywhere to go because our parish didn't have a very well publicized young adult program like they they had a youth group but then there was like nothing after that like you were talking about that gap of not having something. So I relate to that. So I'm sure a lot of the other people listening can probably relate to that. And I'm really glad that you're here to help guide and like bridge that gap and show people that like, no, we can continue mm-hmm. on in our journey in faith. And that's awesome. That's really cool. Thank you. First Timothy chapter four, verse 12 says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. So we have this really powerful image of what youth can be. They're emerging leaders. What would you say your plan is to empower the youth and young adults in our diocese so that they can continue to persevere in faith when there are so many things vying for their attention? Mm, Yes. We live in a world where there's so much to see, so much to do, so much to listen to. Um, Finding that out more every day. And it seems like more of it's churning out there at every moment. But when it comes to empowerment, I I really just want to, and our department in general, really wants to hone in on that building of community. Um, you know, there's the, the idea there's power in numbers and not just like the idea is there's powers when all of you go out to do something. But even just knowing you have numbers behind you, you knowing you have people behind you is so very empowering. Like the idea is that I am not alone is such a powering, empowering thought. Like even if you have one other person that you know likes you for who you are or like believes the same things you believe or is like ready to stand up in faith like you are then you're automatically more brave like because you're willing to go out 
and defy the culture because you know, I don't want to call it a safety net, but like the idea is, you know, you have somebody to go back to or a group to go back to. And it's like, I don't care what happens out there because I know I have this behind me. And the hope is, is that through that, like through that community, through that knowing like you have people behind you, that you also kind of grow to know that that's the way it is with God too. Like that you always have God in your corner, that you could, you go out, that even when you're alone physically, so even when you don't even have that community, you like you have God. This idea like in the Bible, uh, when Jesus is just done, you know, with the, with his um, statement of like, unless those who eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not inherit eternal life. And then everybody walks away. And, but the, the, uh, the disciples are still there. Like, you know, this idea is there's this community that even when everyone else leaves you, like you have this group to go, go back to and that they even know that like they're, they're there with Jesus. It's like, this idea is like, there's power in numbers. There's a reason why God called groups and not just, just individuals. Um, that discipleship is about community. It's, it's about having people there with you about walking in tandem with other people. Like Jesus sent out the the, the apostles or the disciples in general, like two by two. They didn't send, he didn't send them out one by one. He sent mm-hmm. them out two by two. So just making connections, I think is just the most important thing right now, uh, especially post COVID. Like, cause when so many connections are severed because we're not spending time with each other, because we're not going to mass anymore, because we, or we, we weren't at the time, at least, um, that everyone was so alone and just knowing there's a community like knowing you have connections knowing there's other people there because that's what god made us for is for us to be in community um so i guess that would that that would be my answer is community is how i want to empower um youth and young adults the most is just to show them that if you take this on you are you are not alone like you will not be doing it alone you are not going to be doing it by yourself even if there's moments where you're going to be by yourself that overall you're not going to be by yourself that's so powerful and especially I hadn't even thought of it that Jesus didn't send the disciples one by one. He sent them two by two Mm -hmm. um, so that they had that other person to do it with them. It's just, you're right. It's incredibly empowering. That's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I talk about this all the time, but I'm the mom of three young boys. And while they're a little too young for some of the programs that we're talking about today, they're getting bigger every day. And one day they'll be in that preteen teenager phase of life. So what advice would you give to parents who are looking to support their children in the faith, but who are maybe trying to find the right balance of being supportive without being overbearing? Hmm. That is a very good question, especially since I think all these ministries are so interconnected. Like it's just so much like, you know, for example, like your young family life leads into CCD, which leads into youth ministry, which leads into campus ministry, which leads into young adult ministry, which leads into the adult ministry, which I guess then eventually leads into, you know, the end of your life. But um, <laughs> this idea is everything is so connected. So it's so important to have a good foundation. Um, so literally all of you listening that are parents, like you are the first catechist to your child. Like you are the first youth minister to your child. So I think first and foremost, it comes by example, like the way faith comes off from you is though they're going to notice that. Like, so if you see faith and treat faith only like an obligation, that that's the way they're going to see it. But if they see it as something that is life changing to you, that's really important to you, that makes you excited, that makes you joyful, that's going to have a really big impression, especially when they're really young. If they see like, why are mommy and daddy always so happy? Like, why are they always like, why do they love this so much? Why do they love this thing so much? There must be something to this. So I would say example is number one. Number two, I would make sure you take part in a lot of stuff that's 
community oriented and not just CCD or not just um, educational or catechetical. Because you don't want your children to completely associate faith with school because it has not changed in the whole history of the world. Kids do not like school. Like, I'm going to put it out there. That doesn't mean I'm not I'm not out here saying it's like we need to get rid of CCD or like we don't need to learn. We shouldn't learn about faith. I am not saying that. I'm saying that we need to expand like a, a child's experience of faith, because if it's just school, they don't they don't they don't want that. <laughs> they don't want that. They don't want regular school. So they're not going to want like Jesus school on top of that. I know some people want to think it's like, oh, but it's so much different and better. It's like, no, that's not the way the kid's going to see it. So something about participating in events as a family, I think, is really important. And um, even, well, I mean, mass obviously is the number one thing. And, you know, seeing mass is like something to be excited about, something you want to go to, not like as a drag or like, you know, why we have to go to this. But then like if your church offers other things, like make sure you really are a part of that and you get them involved. Um, so, I mean, those are the, the biggest ways. So like, get them in the community of the church. Uh, and get the, get like really drive the experiential aspect of of faith. Like, don't focus so much on the on the on the 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 what's what of faith of like the theology or the catechetics or any of that as a parent. Like, really focus on the experiential part of faith. Like, their your relationship with Jesus, their relationship with Jesus, your relationship with each other. Like, yeah, I mean that would be that just would be my my number one thing like to begin with is just work on the experience with them and like show them this is more than just something you learn on Sunday. And that way, if it becomes part of their life, they're not going to leave after confirmation because that's the other danger of making faith too school oriented because school has a graduation and an end. So these kids, if they see faith as school, they want there to be an end, like an end, a graduation. So that's what confirmation becomes. And then so you got to show them that it's it's a lifestyle and that it's yeah, it's a relationship. It's a community. It's just, it's more than history, so to speak. That's a great point. It's, it's, it's a lived experience. It's not a test that you take, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and yeah, my six-year-old already is just like, why do I have to go to school? So I totally feel that. And we picked a Catholic school because I knew that if I put him in CCD, it was going to be, why do I have to go to school twice? Mm. You know, like this is not cool. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's a great way of tying everything together is, is it's not just something you go and learn about. It's also something you do. It's something you live. It's a lifestyle. That's a great, mm-hmm. a great point. We talked about how going back to high school is like a whole new thing. I feel like dating has also changed a lot mm. in the last like, I don't know. I feel like it's constantly changing and I'm really glad that I'm married and don't have to do it anymore. But <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> So how how is the youth and young adult program addressing this? Are we addressing it just from the Catholic Church's stance on marriage? Or are we also trying to teach youth and young adults how to recognize and build a healthy relationship? That is a very good point. This is definitely something to hone in on because, as you said, it's just changed so very much. And the Internet is the biggest thing to and technology is obviously the biggest thing to blame for this is that it's become so impersonal. Like, you know, this idea of finding someone, interacting with someone, it's just become so impersonal. Like you, you, you do it over more over your phone than you do in person, which hopefully the first thing we can do, like for youth and young adult ministry, is put people in front of each other and focus on building relationships that way. So that's number one, because it's just, it's it's so different when you can't see the other person. Like when you can't see the humanity in the other person by like, interacting with them one-on-one um 
it's just it's so different and the idea there's a level of fear that's involved in that too it's people are hiding behind these screens they're not they're not being courageous and going out and, and getting to know these people or putting themselves out there they're hiding and so trying to instill that courage into the youth and young adults yeah i mean this is yeah this is, of course is a a complicated topic and there does need to be some explanation and clarification as to what the catholic church believes on this stuff like you know the catholic church is not just being a prude when it comes to all this stuff there is reasons why like we have things the way we do and it's for everyone who's a young youth and young adult actually for anybody that's listening it's for your own betterment not because the church wants to have control or like wants to be like a, a fun sucker it's literally for your benefit. And I could talk at very long length about like all the different things about like, why does the church not promote premarital sex? Or like, you have to wait until after marriage to have sex or like why you shouldn't be living with your significant other or like all these other things. I could go for a very long time as to why those are the way they are. Um, but I think it's important to clarify that to the youth, especially as you said, there's a lot of things trying to get people's attention these days and a lot of things putting a lot of misinformation out there. So we have to do better, I think, in terms of leveling with people and like telling them that because all they're hearing is the church is saying no, like that's mm. it. They don't they don't look into why like like. But I feel like a lot of people, not everyone, a lot of people, if they look and saw the why, they'd be like, oh, this makes sense. Like this makes sense as to why um, we do it. And there's other even there's scientific reasons behind all of this stuff, too. It's like if you read the right literature, like you realize that it's not just like, oh, the church is just making stuff up. Like, no, they're not. This is based on a lot of real world stuff as to like why you should be devoting yourself only to one person, why you should be embracing abstinence, why like stuff like pornography is so terribly harmful. Just all that sort of stuff It's like we need to be upfront about them with like we do this because we care about you and like because we want the best for you which i know you probably know as a parent is a lot harder to express to a child and for them to understand that than you realize but getting away from that uh that more gloomy side of it is hopefully hopefully we can you know develop some sort of events or things like that or promote it uh, within parishes to try to come up with events to bring people together for the purpose of getting to know each other not necessarily like oh you're going on a date like you know like oh catholic blind dating <laughs> just like we're gonna randomly th speed dating we're yeah. just gonna <laughs> hey that might not be that actually that might not be a terrible idea you know it's going to be a, like just because speed dating it gets you at least in front of the person and you yes. talk talk for a minute and just to meet people but just to get people in that that vein of like getting in front of people getting to know each other and the the thing is too a lot of catholics are looking for other catholics so it's like where do you find that we have to figure out ways to get those people in the same room um and this idea is like yeah there are other people out here and they're even though they're not on catholicmatch.com they're still there um and that's the other thing too it's just like you know dating apps that's just the way that's the way the world works right now which is a little bit of a shame but you know takes the experience out of it and i'm talking for a really long time about this but this is it this is very important but for all you married couples out there that are listening set the standard set the bar that's the other thing we talked about setting an example like if you look miserable in your marriage then you are not doing a service to young people like if you look incredibly amazingly joyful even if you don't always feel it like that is saying something that is saying something to the young people that are observing you like this idea is like wow there is something to this marriage thing or this devotion thing or like so i don't know speak with actions that was a really long answer i'm That's sorry okay. <laughs> <laughs> no that was a 
great answer. I think you touched on like a lot of things because I feel like, especially when I was growing up, dating was kind of like a very taboo sort of topic. Like there were rules in my house and I didn't understand the rules. And like with the church, like everybody sees the church as being this, like all they say is no, all you hear is no. But like you were saying, there's, there's actual documentation to it. There's a method to the theory. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot going that if you just sat and, and read a little bit more or had a, a way to get some of these answers or even just an example, like you were saying of like another married couple or an example of how to live in the faith and be happy. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be a lot easier to yeah. follow some of these rules. Yeah. And this idea too, that we live in such an instant gratification culture that people want to almost skip over the whole dating process of yes. just like we're jumping straight to square 15 or something like that. Like dating used to be about the slow and gradual process of falling in love and not the rom-com way of like somehow I met someone at the beginning of week one and now by the end of week one we're like we're married we're yeah. married yeah like this idea is that you got to enjoy the process a little bit you know friends to then dating to then like relationship which you know I know a lot of people confuse those who's like wait dating before relationship it's like yes that's how it used to work <laughs> you know dating is discernment as they say dating going on dates is how you figure out whether or not you want to be in a relationship with someone and this idea is like if you go on a few dates and people are like okay well I think we've discerned that this is not the way we should go that people shouldn't be so incredibly hurt about that the thing is we're so willing to throw ourselves completely into the our into the ring that then like any sort of step backwards is like uh that's like a like, like a terrible like hurt it's like you know if we went into dating with this mind of like oh we're figuring out whether or not we're going to discern like you know it's still gonna hurt if they're like no nah, I don't want to pursue this further but at least it's not like Oh my gosh, we were boyfriend and girlfriend, and now all of a sudden, you know, we have a dog together. And yeah, yeah, it's like you know, like take some time, like you know, once again, become friends, then go on dates, then form the relationship, then get engaged. Like each part is for discernment for the next part. Like you know, so treat it seriously. Like it's it's relationships aren't for your own enjoyment; they're for the service to another person. So that's and you got to go in with that in mind. In a past episode, I spoke with Bill Donahue from the Theology of the Body Institute, and we talked about how heartbreaking it must be for someone who struggles with gender confusion, which seems to be a pretty big thing nowadays. Like I don't know if it's just always been there, and we're just now hearing about it more or what. But a lot of people who might be struggling or who are very accepting of gender confusion might view the Catholic church as bigoted or judgmental mm. um, and are fearful of the Catholic church because of it. So how can we work to establish trust with a young person who may be hurting and feel like they don't belong? Mm, that is, that is a very good question. This is, this is kind of the difficult topic of our time right now. So what I would say is the first thing is we have to accept the person where they are or like welcome them in where they are and not where we want them to be necessarily is like we shouldn't expect them to be all fixed before we let them in like type mm -hmm. of deal so we shouldn't be like oh because you have this gender confusion thing like you're not allowed like you got to figure that like one you got you got to get rid of that first and then come in it's like we got to accept them where they're at to build that trust you know this idea is like we do care about you and like so like put that off to the side for a, a little bit like start don't worry about that part at the beginning like start just by welcoming them and embracing them um and building relationship with them as you said build that trust 
say that, you know, I mean, God loves them no matter what. We should love them no matter what. Does that mean God wants us to stay the same and stay in our sin? Absolutely not. And like the same with us, but he's still going to love us and support us and try to do what's best for us. Um, and once you build up that trust, like once you build up, it's like, I do really care about you. And then you can, it will be easier and they might be more receptive to when you come to them. It's like, we don't do this because we're bigoted or judgmental. It's like, we do this just like the the dating thing. And then the, all the stuff, the like marriage and everything stuff is like, there is a reason we believe this. Like there is a reason and it's for your betterment. Like it is for you. It's not because once again, we're trying to be fun suckers or we're trying to be in control or we're trying to put people down it's like because we really genuinely care about you um you know if some like if you are friends with someone you really care about someone if they have like a problem that's detrimental to them you you don't just let it go you don't just say yeah that's fine if someone's drinking themselves to death you wouldn't just say yep that's fine like keep doing that like a real friend would be like you have a problem and we need to fix this it doesn't mean you're evil, doesn't mean you're like forsaken, doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Um, it doesn't mean we hate you. Like it means it actually means that we love you. Like we're trying to help. Like we're trying to help you um get through something that is 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 difficult um and difficult to understand. Like I, I'm gonna put that out. I understand that it's difficult, like for people to understand this, like in how it can be confusing. Or if like you have someone, you know, someone that's sick, you're not just going to pretend they're not sick or not tell them that they're sick or like you can see it, but they don't like it's, it's one of those things. It's like you want to help them. You're not trying like we don't we we do not hate anybody in the Catholic Church. We do not hate anybody, but we love people so much that we want to once again help them. We, we only hate sin and we like and we because we know it's bad for people and once again, same thing as before. It's not necessarily something we're making up. Like there are legitimate like reasons, scientific reasons, logical reasons. There's like a whole backstory to this. So if you're a person who like is about, you know, I have to find truth. Like there is a whole, which I'm not going to go into first of all, because I don't feel like I'm qualified. And second of all, it would take a really long time. Um, but there are reasons behind all of this stuff. Like there is, like we do have purpose behind what we are saying. Uh, like you have a one true identity in christ and we're here to help you find that and it's not an identity that changes like god made you a certain way and he loves you that way he loves you no matter what but like he loves you as that and it's just getting people to embrace that identity um and it's hard it's it it is really hard and i mean that's what i would say to that is that first of all we need to be more welcoming these people and this idea is that they don't have to be fixed or like under a certain look a certain way or do certain things to be welcomed in because what does that make us look like like if we if we say you can't come like that's when it starts getting a little rough it's like when we say you cannot come in then that's that's a little rough now you know there there's always should be expectations but like I don't think we should start with that. Like we, we start with like, Hey, we care about you. We love you. And we're just going to focus on that. And once we get to a point, I think where we need to tackle this, like we will, and we're going to have an honest conversation that is for everyone's benefit. And that's the other thing too, is that unfortunately our culture makes us believe that 
you have to hate something you don't agree with or like disagreement means hatred or that somehow like like our culture is like telling us that we can't separate the sin from the sinner like like that we can't like that that's part of who you are like like if i hate if i if i dislike something my friend does then all of a sudden i dislike my friend completely like everything about them like that's that's not true like i have plenty of people in my life that like I don't approve of one thing or the other, but like they, I still love them and they're still very close to me, but our culture wants to make us believe that, you know, we have to hate things that we, we disagree with. And, you know, people can't have those conversations anymore because you can't, because if, once again, if you disagree, you hate. So it turns into like a shouting match and it turns into like, who's going to win or like so much debate is about uh, disparaging the other person instead of like actually talking about truth, which is very unfortunate. Like, I think people really need to learn how to have honest dialogue. And hopefully I, we can help like with youth and ministers to do this of like having honest dialogue and honest conversations that don't feel like an attack and that don't f- um, and that people shouldn't feel attacked. It's both ways. It's like it shouldn't sound like an attack. And then everyone shouldn't assume every single disagreement is an attack. Like, you know, this idea that it can be neither like it can be just talk. It can be just conversation. And that we we can we can disagree, that we can argue, that we can have discourse in a civil, loving way. Very, very complicated topic, though. Very tough topic. And one that is definitely something that we need that we all need to address, not just not just us as a church, but it's definitely a worldly topic that needs to that's coming to the forefront that we need to uh, and that we as Catholics need to more publicly and openly and more lovingly address, I think. Right. I love what you said about separating the sin from the sinner because it's not that we hate you as a person it's we hate the sin that's corrupting the person and i think so many people think that coming to the church like you said you have to be perfect before you even walk in the door well if we're perfect then we wouldn't be here we'd be in heaven the church is more like a hospital yeah making us better so that we can enter into heaven yeah Um, jesus has like that 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 description of like those who are well do not need a physician those that who are unwell need a physician. So we need to be that physician for those people and for everyone listening. And it's just like, you know, it might sound offensive to be like, oh, how dare you call these people sinners? But like, we're all sinners. Like we yeah. all have oh, our yeah. thing. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh yeah, I have all my stuff put together and that person does not. The person who's, you know, struggling with the identity things or something doesn't have, like that, I, that none of us are superior. Like all of us have our own problems that are, you know, there's bunches of lists in the Bible of like people like no one can go through some of those and be like, yep, I don't do any of those things. Like I don't and that they're all on the same level. Like that's the thing. Like like sin is sin. Like that's Mm -hmm. that's the way that it is. And yeah, so like this idea is that we're not saying this from a a high loftiness of this. We're saying it from like a I am also a sinner and I am broken too. And I also need help. But like maybe we can help each other type of feel like i can help you and you can help me and not like oh look at that person way down there that like let me let me help you person way down there for you are way worse off than i like no that's just not the way it is so i think this is a community thing this is a a together thing brothers and sisters yes we talked about this a little bit but um i mentioned when i was growing up i wasn't aware a lot of a lot of the youth groups in the Catholic church I went to, or at least there weren't very many that were active. So I attended one at a Protestant church because they met more often and they did more stuff. So what kind of programs does the Diocese of Harrisburg currently have for youth and young adults? And where can we go to learn more about them? Oh, yes. This is something I have noticed recently is 
I'll just give them the example of young adult ministry because uh, we just had a big event over the weekend called Get Connected in which there was a lot of young adults from all across the diocese um, from different groups that just kind of got together for like a cookout and to socialize and everything. And I'm I'm going to say I've only been here a few weeks, so I don't know everything and everyone and all this stuff, but there were so many more people and so many more groups than I realized. Um, I knew probably like half to two thirds of them existed, but then like the other ones, I'm like, I didn't even know that there was a group in this place. Like, so here I am sitting. It's like, I don't think our young adult ministry is weak. I think it's just not visible. Like, you know, people don't know like that this is here. Uh, and I think the same could be said for our youth ministry and other ministries. It's not, it's not always that it's weak or non-present or like it's struggling. It's, it's that it's just not visible. Like when maybe we're not doing a good enough job making it visible. Um, and I'd like to say that, you know, our website does have some information on there. I mean, I hope that we can help improve that. And, uh, you know, now that I am a center point in the diocese, I hope to be able to work with that to maybe make it more comprehensive, make it more full and complete, um, so you can know where certain things are and, you know, how to how to attend them. And we're working on that. Um, the, there is work to be done. And I think one of the biggest things is creating that visibility, creating um, places where you can find, like, is there a youth group at my place? And not just, like, go onto your parish website. I mean, we want to promote that, first of all. It's like, if you have a, a group in your parish, like, make sure it's visible on your website. So that would be the first place I would go. Like, if you are looking for one, go to your parish website. Not Maybe not all of them advertise it. But at the very least, call the church office. I know a lot of people don't want to do that. They don't want to call anywhere. They don't want to talk to people. But you know, they usually uh, would know. But I am I am working on trying to get a more comprehensive list of like who's got what and where is it and like what events are we doing and so that it's more public for everyone. I mean, we're also working on getting more opportunities out there and more different kinds of events, more different kinds of groups. What kinds will be to be determined? You will see in the future. Um, but it's I don't want to I don't want to speak on too much just yet as it's still kind of in its infancy stages. But yeah, like that, you just hit the nail right on the head of like visibility. And hopefully, hopefully we can turn something like the diocesan website into into that um, in terms of like, what can I do? Or like how I'm going to, how I'm going to go about this. Um, and that might not be, we have like, well, we're going to have different resources for like campus ministry. So for everyone out there, I mean, like we do have campus ministry too. Like we do help support campus ministry on in the, in the public school campuses. Well, not public, but like the non-Catholic campuses in our diocese like we do try to help support um campus ministries and newman ministries there as well so we're also working on that and working on helping to get that information all together in terms of like if you are going to these universities here is the catholic campus ministry and actually we're working on a way for like anybody in the diocese if you're going anywhere across the country it's like do they have campus ministry and how we can get you connected with that so we are working on that as well awesome it sounds like you got this is gonna it's gonna be a really comprehensive place for people to go and like you said check with the parishes first i think that's a, a a great idea so talk to me a little bit about world youth day i'm just learning about it so can you tell me what is it and is the diocese of harrisburg planning to participate at all all right well so actually what we're doing right now uh as i said i kind of just hit the ground running here that so world youth day is in lisbon about 10 months from now so next august the first week of august so we are currently surveying interests. So if you're listening to this, um, you know, you should hopefully be able to find this, whether on your parish bulletins or, um, you know, on uh, social media, if you have it um, for the diocese. 
So we're sending out surveys that you can take that just is just seeing who's interested. Like if you answer it, it doesn't mean like, oh, you're automatically going, give me the money, like type of thing. <laughs> it's like who is interested in going and just figuring out like what the numbers look like. Uh, you know, there's definitely there's a few possibilities we're throwing out there. One is that we kind of um, collaborate with another diocese that already has a plan in place. Um, you know, if we have only a few people, that might be a good option. I mean, if if we if we can, it's a little last minute, but if we can and we have enough people, maybe we can work with a travel agency to kind of get our own trip going. But we want to kind of survey, see what the interest is first. We would very much like to, as a diocese, go to World Youth Day in some capacity this year or this coming year. Um, but what that's going to look like is going to depend on what all of you tell us, like, you know, who wants to go and, you know, and then we can kind of plan from there. But hopefully, hopefully we will be sending a delegation um, to Lisbon. Uh, so the most trips would involve also a trip to Fatima, if you're interested. Um, so Our Lady of Fatima, the uh, land of the all the visions. Uh, so that could be really fun as well. So yeah, stay tuned on that. So go find go find the survey. The survey is going around. Hopefully you'll see it in your parish bulletins and everything soon. And you can fill that out. And hopefully if yeah, if we have enough interest, we can go off to World Youth Day. Um, but we are definitely planning. I'm saying this right now. And I think the the survey misquotes it as 2025. I've heard actually it's 2026 is the next World Youth Day after that. We don't know where it is. That's just a general World Youth Day thing. The Pope doesn't announce it until the end of the, the, the next World Youth Day. So we're not going to know until next year. But stay stay tuned because we definitely want to send um, a delegation to the next World Youth Day because we'll have a way more time to prepare. So we're definitely going there. And also the survey includes things about other potential pilgrimages that we might start looking into going on um, of different, whether it's national, international, regional, you know, we want to see what you guys think. So make sure you take a look at that and just anything else. You know, there's a section like if you want to tell us anything else about for, for, our, um, for our department for Youth and Young Adult Ministry, anything you want to see or just Catholic life and evangelization, you know, you can kind of submit your thoughts. So yeah, World Youth Day. I mean, I've been on World Youth Day and it is an amazing experience. I was in Madrid. I was a youth then. <laughs> so now I'm a young adult. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience. That was when Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI was still still regular Pope. Um, but it was a really amazing experience um, for all those listening. Uh, and for all those, we're not trying to be exclusive here. This is just kind of the way World Youth Day has been trending is that we, we, we plan on taking people over 18. So that's just that we think that that's going to be the best system. So if you're a teenager and you're listening, I'm sorry, but definitely then hop on 2026. Um, but yeah, so we're looking for anybody 18 to 39. That is young adults. Now that is your age group. So there's a lot of, a lot of space there, but it's an amazing experience. Um, you know, praying with the Pope. It's, it's yeah, sweet. And plus you get to learn more about other cultures. So you get to go, what's it like in Portugal? Right. Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> I love that. And thank you for clarifying what young adult was, because I thought I was a little too old to be considered young, young adult. But that's pretty awesome. And we will definitely be posting as it gets closer on our social media. So check your emails, check our website, check social media, and we will be posting more as that becomes available. So Zach, thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome. Oh, thank you. I love being here. Um, you know, I love I love talking about the faith. I love I love talking into a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and you're very good at it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I hope all of you out there agree. Maybe you don't. Then that's okay. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. 
You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.